0: Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak.
1: Hi, my name is Paul Caroli, and I host a podcast called Changing Denver. It's a monthly show about our city's physical spaces, how we make them, and how they make us. But it's so much more than that. It's the conversations, ideas, and stories that define Denver's perpetual state of flux. Find more from our team at changingdenver.com and And join the conversation on Twitter, at Changing Denver. Denver's changing. We can help.
0: Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. Where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720 6 Nerds 5. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Dave Callahan, creator of Jean Claude Van Johnson. And this is Peter
1: Hortensia, the director of Jean Claude Van Johnson. And you're listening to the Real Nerds Podcast. <laughs>
0: Welcome to Real Night's Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Comic-Con 2018 and beyond. I am Ryan, with me from New York City. Henry. And Zach. But he's in Colorado and Brad is also in Colorado. Are you? My mind is. Yeah.
2: Well, my body is. (laughs) Yeah. But my mind isn't.
0: You're you're just floating above.
2: I I am a shell. Out of body experience. The former man I...
0: (laughs) Uh, every week on Real Nerds Podcast we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world. This week we saw upgrade from the guys who brought you Insidious and Saw. Was
3: it worth the installation?
0: <laughs> dun dun dun. Aww. Aww. <laughs> How how's the week going, Brad?
2: Uh busy. Very Brad. busy. Getting ready for Comic Con. Getting I know. all our ducks in a row. So.
0: We just I just got the uh uh moderating list. I
2: know. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Main main uh, main room guys for a bunch of those. Yeah, no. Do those conflict with your writer
0: interviews? I haven't. uh, So the writer ones I haven't scheduled yet because uh, I told Sammy that I haven't gotten a final for my con obligations, and she said just email them and they'll show up. Okay. So uh, you know there, I'm not sure if you remember the writers have one big booth, and so I'll just go over there and talk to them and see when they want to come over. It's easier that way, and I like doing face to face. Because it's weird when you do emails and you don't know what they look like. I mean I know what Sue Duff looks like because he's been there on our show the last two years. But the other people meh. so if they show up, I don't know who I'm talking to. Um yeah, we got a we got a really cool ones. I don't like saying them beforehand too often because they can always change. Um but uh it should be fun. It's gonna test my abilities to be a moderator a couple times. There you go. For sure. Yep. Um There is one dude like uh I don't really want was. Uh, whatever. So I'm doing the Power Rangers 25th anniversary reunion show with uh, Amy Jo Johnson and Jason Frank, who is the uh, uh, Green Ranger.
2: I know. Pretty smart of them to pick a anti Power Rangers fan.
0: I know. Well, here's the thing. You should have gotten you, Henry. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I
0: like yes. the movie, and that's so, about it. So. So here, I'm not. <laughs> the, the 25th. So it's the first show. I, I I'm pretty sure everybody had a crush on Amy Jo Johnson and um so I
3: had, a, I had a crush on the droid <laughs>
0: alpha yeah. <laughs> yeah, alpha so uh, and the thing is is too even i mean i know enough about power rangers and you can always ask how they get into acting did you have any martial arts training beforehand all that kind of stuff um how the show come about did you know you know i can do all the canned questions to get me through 20 minutes before i turn it over to the audience i'm not that worried about it um the one who uh we have some loyal listeners that have offered to help me um, for uh, the Dragon Ball Z 25th anniversary show, mm. which I'm also doing. Um, again,
2: you can always drag out that, uh, uh, that uh, show by dragging out the series as they did on the series.
0: <laughs> again, so here's the thing is that they're all voice actors, and a lot of times I've done uh, panels with voice actors, and they're really fun, and they'll usually just go off, so you really don't have to worry too much about them either. Um, I always get, do get terrified of like the dead silence, um, but I think I'm pretty good at improv, and I think I'm pretty good at On My Feet that I can do it. Um, my wife is really excited. I'm also doing one for this guy. Um, his name escapes me right now, but he was um, one of Samantha's boyfriends on Sex in the City. Uh, he's on <gasps> Lucifer now. Big? What's up? Is it big? No. Oh. <laughs> Wait, is Samantha? You no, look that's... so excited. No, that's Carrie, dude. That's Sarah Jessica Parker's character. Samantha I know is... one male uh, name uh, in that Kim series. So. Kim Cattrall's yeah. character. Not uh, that
3: I know that too well. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: do my wife watch I I could tell you episodes I've seen. Um I don't I don't recognize them my wife really she got really excited so maybe she can do that panel.
3: <laughs> my, my weirdest theater going experience true story was Sex and the City the movie cuz I was going to see everything that came out of that new landmark when mm-hmm. it opened. I went opening night and it was a sea full of women and then suddenly in the theater I heard one man yell out I'll lend you one of my tampons and I was like, I'm in for a wild ride tonight. Yeah. Just gonna sit quietly. <laughs>
0: uh, and I'm also doing the uh the one with uh the guy from Riverdale who plays Archie, I guess. Ooh, nifty. Um, that's fun. Um so the two big ones that I'm doing is uh Bonnie Wright is playing who played Jeannie Weasley in uh, I know in Harry Potter. Uh she's also a director. I've been kind of reading up on her since I got uh, chosen that one and i i i love harry potter so that's an easy gateway that one's pretty fun and mm. she has her own production company now um so she's pretty smart <laughs> and then uh in with star wars Ch- the new actor who plays chewbacca is uh, i'll be doing that one as well mm-hmm. on saturday i believe at that's 1 awesome um so that one be really fun uh i also know he was a college basketball player and uh oh you also play college basketball I so did. you have lots so of- we have a- tons to talk about um <laughs> And then, uh, I, I do have one more guy. I keep on remembering him now. And the guy who played Hodor in uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, you got that guy? <laughs> yeah. Really? Good thing
2: you watched Game of Thrones.
0: Yeah. Uh, he's also, I was reading that he's one of the premier DJs in England. So he's You were a this,
2: DJ like, in England too?
0: <laughs> too right, mate.
3: <laughs> he's got this, like, yeah, he's got this rave thing that he does, like Hodor, or uh, Rave of Thrones or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so it would be interesting. I um, That's a lot. Uh, I know,
2: yeah. you're you got like something, like you're in something and then you immediately go to the next thing. Yeah. I don't know if it's all weekend or just Saturday. It's
0: just Saturday and Sunday. So Friday Oof. I'm free. So if you want to come by and record on our show, stop by on Friday and I'll be there and I'll spend all eight hours there. Um, it, it is really cool that Denver Comic Con trusts me with this stuff. And it's not just this stuff. Every year they give me somebody who's pretty big to do their panel. Uh, and I, I must do them proud because – uh, what I've always said, and I learned very early on—I won't name names—David Boop, who I learned really early uh, how not to do a panel, and who I learned it from is James Marsters, who plays Spike on Buffy. I've ever told you a story how great he smells. So, uh, anyways, uh, the day before, I was James Marsters had a panel, and he was catching a flight like an hour after the panel because mm-hmm. he was going to another con. So it was up to me to get him out really fast. And I uh, went and talked to him beforehand, and I said, hey, you know, what do you want to do? And he told me that yesterday, the – Or the day before, th- yeah. The day before, the pan- the moderator for the panel, like, asked him questions for 45 minutes. So then it was only five minutes that his fans got to ask him questions. And so then I said, so you want me to just open up to your fans right away? He says, I would really appreciate if you did that because they come here to uh, to ask me questions. And I said, you're 100% right. I will introduce you. I will sit down, and I'll let you uh, – take over he said perfect and he gave me a hug when he came on stage and he smelled amazing and then when he left he told me i was really nice and he appreciated my time and i learned from him because he's a guy who goes to so many cons and uh and brad knows too i mean and i'm sure you do You've go to comic-con yeah the the people that usually do panels have done them i don't even know how many i very rarely get somebody who hasn't done one i did uh one with uh who's aaron gray is that her name Oh, from, it's escaping me from
3: uh, Flash Gordon. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and Jason goes to hell. Yeah. So her name, she never did one before. So when I sat, when I met her beforehand, she came in early. She's super nice. And she said, yeah, I don't mind talking about my movies, but I'm really excited about my yoga I've been doing because I help people through physical therapy now. I said, perfect. Can we just, we'll just segue into that. If that works. I said, yeah, that'd be awesome. And it was like at 10 in the morning. It was a full panel, but people were really kind of slow getting going. So I asked her, Jason goes to hell question. I said, hey, how would you feel about Jason Goes to Hell where they shot up your skirt, even though I knew the answer because I read the Friday the 13th book. And she went off for like 10, 15 minutes about how much she was pissed at the director and that they didn't tell her that I was doing that because that wasn't really her, but it's implied that it was her. And it was it was pretty amazing. So I've taken a little bit from what I've learned from every panel, and I've tried to apply it. And um, I, th- I think I do a good job. I, I I mean, Denver Comic-Con thinks I do.
3: If it's any testament to how you... Handle yourself on the show each week like a panel's a breeze. Oh, thank you. No,
0: I, it, it's, I, I tell my wife, ask me, because, you know, when you do uh, the Kevin Conroy panel and there's 5,000 people in there, I mean, you you have to not be afraid and you just have to go in there and, you know, just do your thing. Mm-hmm. And as some people can't do, and I've been told by uh, the programming director, sometimes people can't help it and they geek out or they get caught up in the moment, Yeah, you know, and – I uh, So if there's anybody out there listening and they want to moderate for Comic-Con and you're not a celebrity and how you can moderate for celebrities, what I always tell them is get there early, try to meet the celebrity beforehand. A lot of them don't get there early. Um, some of them do. Kevin Conroy was there 10 minutes early. Alan Tudyk was there really early. Um, just talk to him and see what they want to
3: s- Alan Tudyk was just living there. <laughs> Alan Tudyk was
0: amazing. Um, you know, just talk to him beforehand. And see what they want to do And then just go from there And also too, Michael I, You know, the first year we did Denver Comic Con We were so green And I didn't want to overstep anybody And I knew I was doing the James Marsters panel And he told us when we were interviewing him um, And you're talking about a guy Who is one of the biggest producers in Hollywood Mm -hmm. He told us, he said, just kick the door in Just do it Mm -hmm. That's all you have to do, just do it Because you never know, because then you could be driving down in a bus, and you see a picture of Jack Nicholson, you draw him as the Joker, and then here you are seven, eight years later, and he is the Joker. And he's right. you know Just, just take that chance. But what I always say, be respectful of celebrities. See what they want to do. And I've never had a bad experience with a celebrity. They're really nice people. Mm-hmm. Just talk to them. Yes. See how they want the panel to go. And, yeah, so yeah. I'll see you at Denver Comic. You'll see a lot of me. You'll probably get really sick of Ryan from Real Nerds Podcast. I didn't yeah.
2: check to see if – uh do any of your – Panels line up with our panel. No, on I did o'clock? They okay. did not
0: schedule us because. Um, so James um, has done like two or three panels throughout the year. Uh, years he kind of uh, does them when they do overlap, mm-hmm. or if I'm really concerned about getting to another panel, um, this year I'm a little concerned about <laughs> it. Um, Hopefully
2: they'll take you to the back. Oh, they will. Alleys, I, I, and... I can
0: ask them. I mean, because I've I've I'm not trying to brag, but I've done so many panels. I do know the people behind the scenes. And, you know, when I did the John uh, Barrowman one last year, they just took me right to him because right. they know me. And, you know, I'm I'm not out there. I just want to get it done, and I want to make sure everybody has fun. Because, mm-hmm. again, it's not for me. My my geeking out is I got hugged by Ralph Macchio and see Thomas Howell. You know what I mean? They come out, and that's all I need. And I don't even need it. I, I'm really there to facilitate for the fans and make sure they don't run over. I just got to pay attention to the people in the back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no. So yeah, I, I think on Sunday I don't have like a celebrity one till three or like it's noon and then I have one at three, but whatever, uh, ours is set so because they just put us as real nerds podcast as the moderator. They didn't put me down mm-hmm. just in case James does one or maybe yeah. one of you guys do one. I don't know. No, it's
2: not going to be me. <laughs>
0: whatever, you guys I mean, so if we got Kevin Eastman, you wouldn't do it?
2: <sighs> It'd be tough. Like, I, really? I you, would just embarrass myself. You,
0: you did fine on your, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme one. Oh, the. I edit it to sound like oh. I didn't do a Because <laughs> like, I was listening to it I was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I cut out the stupid stuff. All right. Where I'm, yeah, stumbling
2: mm. over myself. I blew the intro. Mm. <laughs> the that's intro right. we've been saying for six years, I like, messed up. I have hey, to really you know to what? That. I don't They must have you.
0: not uh, cared too much because they still did a bumper.
2: Well, they never heard it before, so they had nothing compared
0: <laughs> to it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Um, yeah, that no, sounds like fun. Yeah, we yeah. should be there. So, booth 105. Uh, we do have a very uh, limited amount of shirts. Um, if you go to denvercomiccon.com you can see the shirt design that Brad did um, it's in the exclusive section um, so yeah make sure you check it out and then stop by and see us because we're also by the front door so we're, we're expecting these to go really fast uh, so if you want one please stop by because we'd love to uh, make sure you have one mm-hmm. and
2: bring 15 bucks
0: yeah and it's fi- it's $15 but uh, we were able to get the price down because we were able to go back to the presses because before they're going to be like 18 to 20 and and we were able, because they sold out so fast the first run, we went back and got some more. So we're able to bring the price down to $15. Bucks. Uh, and that's not a lot for the con merch. I was looking at the other merchandise, and the Wonder Woman pin is badass with like the Colorado flag. Mm-hmm. But that's even $20. So if you want to get a cool exclusive shirt that's only available at Denver Comic Con, that is approved by Denver Comic Con, that has Denver Comic Con on it. Um, and it's bigger than a pin. It's bigger than a pin. <laughs> and it's our homage to Solo, yeah. a Star Wars story. Um, real which, real well, Nice. We're Star Wars in general. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. just going
3: on what's hot right now. Um, <laughs> well, if we did Solo, we would do the Solo. Well, before. we're
0: doing it Solo because I'm <laughs> interviewing Chewbacca from Solo. Ooh, that's right now. It's, it's all connected. You know, I will say one of our cool things. So Brad designs our shirts every year. And when we did Kevin Conroy, we had our Batman shirt. And I. Uh, so I was like, I'm going to take and give one to him. I, think, I wonder if he'll take it. And Brad says, you know, okay, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he'll take it. So I go there and I said, Mr. Conroy, you know, we're I'm a really big fan. I am. I'm a huge fan of him, and I'm a huge fan of the animated series. And I said, you know, we have this shirt. We're really big dorks. I, I We want to give it to you because we like. He's like, fuck, yeah, I'll take a free shirt is what he said to me, but in really cool Batman voice.
2: Um, <laughs> and then he dropped it off at Goodwill on his way to the airport. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs>
0: no, he seemed really no, excited guys, to have guys, it. He uses it as his after-sex shirt. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> I will say there's nothing more cool than when you say, Hi, Mr. Conway. I'm Ryan. I'm from Real Nerds. I'll be pondering your panel. Hello, Ryan. Oh, fuck yes. (laughs) Oh no, Is Batman here? So he kind (laughs) of sounds like his normal voice is like a mix of Bruce Wayne and Batman because it's not quite as deep as Batman. And it's not quite as uh, flippant as uh, Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. But it's right in the middle, and it still gave me a nerd boner. Dude, If if the inner
3: five-year-old would have been been like...
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think we'll have some of the old shirts, because I, I think James was saying. Yeah, James says he has, has a closet shirts. full yeah. of them. I so, don't really have any of them. Those will be really limited. Yeah. Um, and then we'll have some of the pod show DVDs. We still have those. Yeah. Well, sell. Really?
3: I'm surprised yeah. we didn't find them while we were moving. Like, hey, what's there in this store? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we do have some limited edition Real Nerds merch. Um, I don't know, Brad. You'll have to see what you want to sell the other stuff for. I don't know.
2: Uh, it's like 15 each. Oh, okay, cool.
0: Um yeah give so me just twinkle. You know we'll call it. Even. $15 everything in our booth is $15 <laughs> each each <laughs> each. <laughs>
2: Not everything for 15. No, except no. for
0: except for me I won't I be on they, sale. Uh no you can We're also buy Zach for $15. Yeah. Wow, what a deal guys. <laughs> um and what's going to happen is Zach's going to get up there it's like anybody for 15 bucks and no one and then some like <laughs> some dude's going to come stumble in $10,000 <laughs> and uh, <Ooh. laughs> and it'll, it'll be it'll be our own arrested development and it'll be great. Um, <laughs> that's that's what's happening in real nerds. Ryan uh, did news. such a good job; he
3: earned a thing of candy beans. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> candy beans—that sounds
3: what like Boston baked Means No, it's just that's what they call jelly beans on Arrested Development for some reason. They don't, don't call them jelly bellies or jelly beans; they call it candy beans.
0: Are you still with us, Henry? I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> are uh, you Are you excited about our Denver Comic Con um, news? I
3: mean, I wish I could be
1: there,
0: but you know, what can you? Yeah, we wish you could too. Oh, fuck, I should also mention we do have our own panel, too. Um, You can uh, hear the real nerds uh, at Denver Comic-Con. PG version, boys, watch your fucking mouths. Mm -hmm. At uh, Denver Comic-Con, Sunday from 1 to one fifty in room 505, 506. That's a big room. It's the same room we've done it before. Yeah, I know. It's like 200 seats. (laughs) And we filled it last year, so make sure... (laughs) <laughs> so make sure that uh, you come and see us. Um, just because like last year, we're also going to have prizes or something. We'll have to figure that out. We're also going to have Alex Weimer's son running around. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I do have another plan, and I'm not going to reveal it here because um, it's going to take some schmoozing and some dick sucking to get it to happen. So, I think uh, we'll have
2: some shirt a shirt to give away at least. Yeah. yeah that.
0: No, I'll, I'll get something like I did last year. I'll get some cool action figures or something. Yeah.
2: Uh, I think – coins cards is going to give some comics so
0: we yeah. give some of those away yeah we will have some comics uh, yeah
3: speaking of comics real quick guys because we don't really do a comic corner that much anymore but can I do a quick uh, comic corner nope. nope moving on moving on hey Brad what's happening <laughs> <in our town?
2: laughs> hey film buddies follow me around Denver
0: <laughs> Jack in I'd rather go around with <laughs> Fred and his Vespa scooter. Vespa scooter through town. Meet <laughs> me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Midnight at the Esquire this week <laughs> is Mean Girls. That's June 8th and 9th. And then, uh, again, if this didn't get up in time, uh, if this is the week of June 15th and 16th, it's Full Metal Jacket.
0: It'll get up.
3: Wait, so, so they're doing Mean Girls at the Esquire again? No, it was at the
0: Alamo a couple weeks uh,
3: ago. Oh, well, no, yeah. The movie yeah. party. Yeah, they, did their, they had their t-shirt thing. Yeah. yeah the
0: Clue movie party is at the Alamo, I think, tomorrow. So, and it's but, probably sold out as usual. Oh, it's super sold out. <laughs> but, so if those go up for the, at the Alamo, make sure you go and yeah. check them out because they're popular. Yeah. What's going on at the drive-in?
2: The drive-in is, uh, as far as I know, still doing Life of the Party, um, Deadpool 2, and Rampage. So.
1: Fun.
0: A little bit for something for everybody. Yeah. Wife, husband, kid.
2: I'm trying to think when they would probably switch it up next night. I don't probably know. Incredibles. Probably next week. Maybe. Incredibles, maybe.
1: What's up? Probably him? Incredibles. It's probably the next time they. Yeah, yeah. Incredibles
3: sounds right. Probably won't you be they, my neighbor.
2: Although they did express they have a lot of tr- like Disney is so expensive to program, <laughs> so bet. they might not do So action point.
0: Yes, Ooh. actually,
2: they have been doing like rated R comedies a lot this summer, so that might end up as like the third build. And nice. given this box office, it's probably pretty cheap.
3: So, <laughs> Hereditary.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, I guess that's, that's all that's going around
0: town. Um, Zach, you got a comic corner for me? I do. Cause I have one too. Go ahead. You go first. What's up nerds? It's the comics corner. Um, hey kids, comics. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Spider friends. Um, so, um, I work at a thrift shop, as you guys know. And so I get a lot of stuff that comes through my way um sometimes we get comic books not all the time
0: do you check them to make sure they're not like you know first appearance of spider-man or something
3: i do actually and yeah. i've never come across
0: that so if that came so i have a question so if that came in how would you guys price it um who, who who's in charge of? so
3: so we have to keep in mind we're a thrift shop yeah. we get tons of stuff every day so therefore we're not going to price it at comic book store
0: prices well, the first version of Spider Man is 150k. Exactly. I don't think I I I don't know exactly what they so do in that situation. I guess my actual question would be: Is how likely is it a chance of a comic like that slipping through the cracks and you just put it on the floor?
3: Um,
0: very slim since it's not my department. But so if it's your department and you know that what it is and you get it, you're like, oh, Ryan's a huge Spider Man fan. Um, look, hey, look, Spider Friend, I can get you this. Amazing Fantasy 15 for five bucks. You would give it to me, right? I, I, well, generally, this you is... fucking asshole. This is the rule. This is the rule.
3: 30 minutes on the floor. After that, it's
0: fine. So... Okay. So yeah. then... So when you put it on the floor, then you just put it behind the Life Magazine collection you guys have, and no one will flip through it.
3: I'm not going to give away all my <laughs> secrets on the show, Ryan. But anyway, so um, a couple comic books actually came through the door when I was um, working, and um, my friend showed them... Uh, my friend who works in books showed them to me, and... One of them was called Time Lincoln. I had never heard of this. It's an independent press book, like so it's not any of the known major companies. I didn't read it yet, but I wanted to point out something that's interesting. If you look up Time Lincoln on Google, one of the issues apparently is him tinging up with John F. Kennedy Jr. It's, it's Abraham Lincoln goes back in time. And one of the issues is him going with JFK apparently to stop both their assassinations at the same time. I didn't know this existed. I want to read the, sh- the shit out of this. One of the covers has Lincoln and JFK looking like Marty and Doc Brown from Back to the Future. It's it's pretty insane. Yeah, that's it. Wait, hold up. I don't know how he got into the time machine. I haven't read it yet. I, I I'm cannot wait to read it. I just like, yep. yeah, this is this like trying to find the one with the Marty McFly cover.
0: Yeah, there it is right there. It's ridiculous. It's, uh, yep.
3: Yeah. What press is it? I didn't even read the. It's
0: um, I I don't know AP. I don't know who that is. Wow,
3: that's ridiculous. I just wanted to point it out because we don't do talk about comics that often, but
0: yeah, there's uh, today was a uh, last week was a big comic for Spider Man. It's 800th issue of Amazing Spider Man. Oh, right. That was that, I mean, yeah, Uh eighty pages, like only like two ads in it, yeah. all one story, <laughs> and it was really cool. So uh, in it right now, the Green Goblin has uh. So at the end of Superior Spider-Man, when Peter Parker comes back, he makes these uh, nanobots that infect Norman Osborn, and it takes away the goblin formula from him, so he can't be super strength anymore. So he's Mm -hmm. just a normal dude. Um, So for the last three or four years, he's been going... Like, he shows up every once in a while. He's been going around um, trying to find a cure for it, trying to be the Green Goblin again. And he ended up uh, merging with the Carnage Symbiote and... um, and, uh, and so he formed the Red Goblin, and the Red Goblin doesn't set off Spider-Man's spider sense because Venom doesn't, and uh, he's more powerful. He throws pumpkin bombs at, like our heat-seeking ones, and they talk. <laughs> it's really goofy. <laughs> um, but the character design's really awesome, and it's cool to see Green Goblin kind of scary again. And the, so the Carnage symbiote also takes all the nanobots out of him, mm-hmm. so he becomes superhuman again. Uh, and so he tells Spider-Man to stay away, or he's going to kill everybody he loves. Typical Green Goblin stuff. Mm-hmm. And so Spider-Man licks his wounds and then comes after him like like a day later. Uh, rebonds with this Venom symbiote. I'm the about really symbiotes. They need to go fucking away. Um, but anyways, the story's still pretty cool. So each chapter, it's five chapters. And each artist that worked with Dan Slott, uh, not all of them, but his, the popular ones over the last ten years, did a chapter. So it would be like the first chapter is like Green Goblin triumphant or something. And then it'd be drawn by somebody, and then the next chapter would be someone else. And, mm. and the story is actually pretty cool. Um there's a really sweet badass fight at the end where Spider Man tricks because he can't beat the Red Goblin because the Carnage Carnage and the Green Goblin combined is too much for him and too strong. So he uh the Green Goblin or the Red Goblin's killing Spider Man, and Spider Man gets out, he's like, oh, yeah, I guess you can kill me with help from Carnage. And so uh Norman Osborn, like rips the symbiote off him and he's like the Green Goblin underneath and there's a sweet fight. Uh drawn by Stuart Immin Imaman. So I think that's how pronounce his last name. I M M O M E N E N Numan. Yeah, Eamaman. And uh it's really awesome. And then it, uh he kills Flash Thompson and Oh spoilers. And uh <laughs> and then the Green Goblin at the end is mad again and he thinks he's Cletus Cassidy, who is really Carnage. Mm. um and so Spider Man's like, whatever. Don't care. Uh, but there's a really great moment, so... I hope
3: that's the actual last line. Whatever.
0: Uh, he pretty much does. there <laughs> pay power comes whatever. <laughs> uh, about a year ago, maybe six, uh, seven, eight months ago, in Spectacular Spider-Man number six, J. Jonah Jameson figured out who Spider-Man is. <laughs> and it's it's been pretty fun because... So the Green Goblin kidnaps... Really old story is uh, Spider-Man's identity got wiped from everybody so the Green Goblin didn't remember. Mm-hmm. So Jameson tells Osborn that peter parker spider-man on accident and so pete's mad at him and then there's this really funny moment where uh, this is how stupid i think venom is so jay jonah jameson's sitting down he's like i need someone to help who can i get to help well spider-man always said this is literally like he's thinking out loud spider-man's always had problem with venom and wait a minute is venom eddie brock that sounds too stupid and too on the nose to be right <laughs> so he calls up eddie brock and he, he's like how do you know who i am it's really funny um and then there's this really cool scene at the end where Spider-Man is at Flash Thompson's funeral and he does a speech and he goes over to Jameson and he's like hey I you know I forgive you you know everybody I I deal with the guilt of my uncle man blah 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 and then there's uh, – you hear police sirens in the background and the last pages. what are you doing standing here? Get out there and get him <laughs> So he's basically telling Peter to go out there and fight a Spider-Man instead of get me a picture of Spider-Man. <laughs> it's pretty great. Um, That's awesome. So we'll see where Spider-Man goes from here. Yeah. And it's a great book if you can find it. I think it's sold out everywhere. Yeah. But-
3: and when I find Time Lincoln at my work, yes. I will read it and I will let yes. you know how the hell Abraham Lincoln found a way to time travel without Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter.
0: Yes. So I still love uh, – so Spider-Man ended – dance let's run on a pretty cool note um, i
3: like the cover of that uh spider-man 800 though too. Like, oh, yeah, or the one great. that you posted like it oh yeah that's awesome. the
0: alex ross one yeah um, it's pretty fucking well I, and you know me
3: and my alex ross love with yeah. marvels so. yeah
0: no alex ross does a pretty good job he was the, uh, he did the covers for over, over two years now mm. so some of them look really great i sometimes have a problem with his stuff um but when he does like monsters and things like that it looks pretty great he's he's turning over to hulk and the his hulk covers look Amazing, nice. Um, anyways, so let's get back to the show. Only thirty yeah. minutes of just rambling. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do movie news every week in a segment I call "Real News." It's real news.
3: Um, top of the news this week. Top of the morning. Um, just to get it out of the way, because of course it's going to be talked about. Uh, Roseanne got canceled after its <laughs> first season. Aired its finale the week before, yep. because Roseanne can't keep her fucking mouth shut, <laughs> um, or her tweets shut, or whatever. I don't know. She's a weird, crazy lady.
0: Anyway, uh, um, uh, there there is warning signs before that. I oh know yeah, oh, so shocked. Oh,
3: I know. And I'm, I'm the, I, I don't know. Was I the only one who bothered to watch any of it? Yeah, I'm not yep. gonna watch that shit. No, I, I watched the first two episodes, and like, props to the other people who had to put up with their craziness to make something that was halfway decent, but. I don't think that was worth...
0: My wife the, loves that show.
3: It, and see, like, I was willing to maybe, maybe like, catch up the rest of it later. Mm. Like, it didn't, like, pique sure. my interest. Like, I watched the first two episodes enough to be like, okay. Oh, I
0: still got back at my wife, too. So, you know, I have so many physical copies of stuff. Yeah. And she said, man, they pulled Roseanne off of TV land everywhere. I can't even watch it. I'm like, hmm, you had a physical copy of it. You can watch it whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> nice. She's, she's like... Well, then she just walked away. I'm like, <laughs> booyah. This guy knows what I'm talking about. <laughs>
3: he pointed to you. Oh, Harry. yeah,
2: I know. <laughs> Did you get that Lego shirt at the Lego store? No, I got this at Target. Oh.
1: Um
0: But
3: so, yeah. Um, no more Roseanne. Um uh, Hopefully they just switch
0: it to Dan and they have, like, show with That
3: was like, what Jimmy Kimmel wanted to do. That's not good, they killed him in the original series, right? So yeah. they just well, Roseanne that, And the whole like the, <laughs> the, the whole first five minutes of the reboot is explaining why Dan's still alive, um, like retconning the shit out of it. But anyway, that's that's all done with. Um, on to f- more fun news. Uh, Netflix is going to screen Orson Welles' final film, The Other Side of the Wind, theatrically. So mm. we're not even going to have to wait for it to come onto the platform. We will get to see it on a big screen. So nice. Good for old Orson Welles. Um, yeah, good job, Amazon. Bring your frozen peas to that screening and just munch on them the whole time. <laughs> if you had a bottle of Parmesan wine, bring it to the theater too. Fuck the fuck the policy at the theater. When I was listening to the <laughs>
0: Infinity Gauntlet uh, podcast, the, yeah. the trailer for Citizen King made me hate the movie even more.
3: Dude, like, have you? But you've seen the trailer itself. Like, it's just like it's just radio announcing yeah. the cast and whatnot. Well, yeah, I think
0: that's kind of. I'm going to say the name again. There's yeah. a name you'll remember yeah yeah here's a name you'll remember remember this when you're down at the tinsel town it's
3: one of the reasons why i love orson welles he was able to embrace as much of every medium as he could and he was a he was big on radio at the time so you know mm-hmm. but it's uh still not a my favorite movie oh i mean it doesn't have to be your favorite movie to enjoy that trailer i don't have to enjoy it <laughs>
1: the trailer is also um, like five anyway. minutes
3: long so
0: it is you're like, come on dude get over with we get it Remember that name? Yeah, yeah. You'll see it on the big screen, I tell ya. Big screen, see?
3: Kane is a scoundrel. Like, back I then, there wasn't,
2: like, 30 trailers to precede your
3: movie, so he had
2: that five minutes to do what true. he wanted.
3: <laughs> um. So, anyway. Further news, uh, Sesame Street lost that lawsuit against the Happy Time Murders, and...
0: I had a feeling they were going to. Yeah, and, uh... I mean... Go back to last week's episode. I said parody.
3: Yeah, and also, like, I mean... I, yeah, when I think about it, like I mean, I don't think they're tarnishing anything. They no. never really were. It's just the thing we all kind of came to a consensus with is just it's a shitty tadlo- tagline. Yeah, uh, and I
0: think, I mean, at Sesame Street, I think you have to say something. Yeah. But at the end of the day, whatever. At the end yeah, of the day,
1: yeah. it just ended and up else. being a big publicity stunt for Appetite Murders.
0: Oh, yeah, so. Appetite Murders. Like, thank you so much. We didn't even have to pay for this.
3: Um, And then um, uh, Sony was supposed to release a Slenderman movie. Um, a horror film version of the Slenderman phenomenon from mm-hmm. Creepypasta, uh, which also inspired a documentary about a very terrible crime. Yeah, um, documentary is great. Yeah, apparently sent Sony. Uh, oh yeah, it is. It's disturbing. Um, yeah, but anyway, uh, Sony bumped it to August, and now it's pulled it from the schedule entirely, and now apparently it's shopping around to other studios. So yeah, apparently uh, it's, that it's that good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> the absolute thing is it's either super shitty or Sony's worried about the backlash. But either way, I don't think they should care because you're going to make money off anyways, right? So who cares?
3: I mean, I, I the trailer looked like whatever. Yeah, it, the trailer it, looks it, bland. It looked creepier than most things, but it was like wrapped up in generic nonsense. Yeah. So, um, I was not like I probably would have went on a matinee. Yeah, on a I sunday. would never. Yeah, like but, seek
0: it out. I guess is what I'm trying to say.
3: So yeah, but um, and then the last piece of news that I thought was interesting, and it came off the presses after we recorded last week, Zack Snyder's next project is gonna be the Fountainhead, Yep. <laughs> an Ayn Rand novel, which I guess I I I I told us I told everyone in the thread that we texted in. I think that Atlas shrugged would have made more sense for Zack Snyder to a degree. Yeah, well, um, I mean, he's at a point
0: too. I mean, his movies are pretty successful. He can pretty much make whatever he wants, right?
3: And like, there's, I mean, The Fountainhead was made into a movie before with Gary Cooper, so it can be done. It's just, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I, like thought, Gary I Cooper. didn't, I didn't think the Iron Rand train was still a chugging on. Is He,
0: Mr. Deeds, he's Mr. Smith. No.
3: He's Mr. He's Mr. Deeds goes, goes to, to town, town. Yeah. and then he, could, they couldn't get Cooper for Mr. Smith. That's so why they, they, they brought in James Jimmy Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. yeah. Love yeah. Jimmy Stewart. Oh yeah, dude. Like um, that. You know that Five Came Back thing from Netflix and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The book version talks a lot about how Capra had trouble making that film, and then the film right after it. Before he signed up to join the uh, Army Reserves mm. to help out with the war effort, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Um, anyway, that's news. Maybe uh,
1: What's this up? will be like his turn into like dramatic work, and we'll all be like, "Wow, Zack Snyder actually like the Spielberg of our generation." <laughs> Whoa, you
3: that's know, that's a bold statement. You know what, my my nephew's the first movie that he's gonna want to see is gonna be the Fountainhead. I mean, like, that, what else? would he want to see? <laughs> I want to go. Uh, I want to go see uh, the, the pretty
1: new film about I don't know architect tax. Like, <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that. There's no one who. There's not a more consistent filmmaker than Spielberg, right? Uh, continuously great films. Oh, continuously great. Um, I Can't even think of another one.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, he, for how many films he's made and how many hits he's made, it's... it's yeah. a, I mean, yeah, he's made some bad films, but, like, he's he's made a know. lot of really good films.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: Are you talking about modern or all-time? All-time. Hitchcock. I would say Spielberg has more it'll... than Hitchcock.
0: Yeah, because I think Hitchcock's early stuff and his later stuff isn't very good. Mm. Well, he, he, he's on a run, I mean... Oh, that's true, because Spielberg's still making good yeah, stuff. Hitchcock yeah, Hitchcock was on a run for, like, 20 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, Spielberg's, what, 40... 76, I guess. So, yeah, so 42 years mm-hmm. since Jaws. I mean, he has some misfires, but not that many. I mean, it's, I mean technically, George... <laughs> I, mean,
1: it's, I mean, the only thing I would say is that, like, uh, what's interesting about like Spielberg is that, like, he's, like... Whereas Hitchcock makes the same kind... He makes mysteries and, like, that kind of thing. Whereas Spielberg makes mm-hmm. everything, and everything he makes tends to be yeah. good. He, so. he
3: is a lot more broader reach yeah yeah um i mean you could say george lucas is the most consistent ha! but we haven't seen all the films because he shows them in his basement say <laughs> <laughs> hey, fincher maybe he kind of makes the same lose. movie
0: you know nolan too like nolan's been good for a long time yeah nolan yeah. yeah but that's it nolan's only around 20 years though he needs to put a little get a little more uh body of work he needs to make a romantic comedy you know i was looking <laughs> back to at spielberg he'll make one movie a year. And then he'll make two. Then he'll make one. Then he'll make two. Then he'll make mm-hmm. one. Then he'll make two. It's really in, uh, unusual. Well, he's
3: consistently busy. Like, and, and yeah. when, when he's doing the one, sometimes he'll be producing something else. Oh, too, yeah. So, yeah.
0: yeah. He's, he's a hell of a filmmaker.
3: Now I just really want a Christopher Nolan romantic comedy now that I think of it.
0: <laughs> I bet he'd be amazing at it.
3: <laughs> this summer. I love you,
0: dear. <laughs> anyway, that's news. <laughs> cool. blu rays come out, too.
3: DVD releases to Blu-ray. I mean, were you interested in Death Wish from Eli Roth? I was not. I'm going to rent it first before I decide to make that purchase. I'll wait
0: till it's on Netflix or Amazon
3: Prime. I won't. There so you go. Yeah. You're smart. You're <laughs> <laughs> Um, I like Eli Roth, so I want to see it, but Me that's too. the only reason I want to see it. I have no interest in watching Bruce Willis do um uh Paul Creasy, uh that character. Um and also, I've heard it's nonsense. Um, so, like, Death Wish. <laughs> well, like, that first <laughs> that first one for how... Like, the, the original one for how nonsensical it is, it's still, like, efficiently, solidly Well, made. I think it's
0: always... Uh, it's one of those movies It's not like Rambo, where the first one's pretty serious, and mm-hmm. then the second one... Wait, so his daughter was kidnapped and raped by drug dealers, and then she ran out of a window, and then he just killed... It's batshit right. crazy. The, yeah,
3: whereas the first one's technically more grounded. Yeah. Yeah, it's still... Bonkers, yeah. It's like, it's <laughs> extru- less, yeah. yeah. It's based on a book that like it strays very far off. Um, but on the more lighter fare, uh, you can get the uh, Walt Disney Signature Collection version of Peter Pan. Oh, that's right. Um, as long as well as a 4K version of The Incredibles is coming out. Oh, that's right. And there's um, a
0: Blu-ray uh, Best Buy exclusive for that.
3: Uh, the newest season of South Park will be coming out, so you can uh, check that on out. Uh, Best Buy's got a Texas Chainsaw Massacre exclusive steelbook, which I will be picking up because I do hmm. not have it on Blu-ray yet. And what is Is it uh, the original? Yeah, the original, the 74 one. It's just got a nice new steelbook cover. But since I don't own it yet on Blu-ray, it's worth the purchase for me. You know, what, what version? of? I 40th it, Anniversary. Yeah,
0: the 40th Anniversary is a great version. Yeah,
3: of it. yeah they're just repackaging it because they're getting into the steelbook game. It's the only way they can stay uh, Also, Amazon Studios Gringo, um, which had uh, David Oyelowo and uh, Charlize Theron is coming out. I didn't see a trailer for it, but it played at the South Glen for a while. So, um, And then um, we've also got uh, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers is coming to Warner Brothers Archive. So um, if you have ever heard Leonard Malton's podcast, he and his daughter have talked about that a bunch. So you can check that out. Um, also, a bunch of re-releases of DreamWorks films. I didn't yeah, know. They
0: constantly re- release those with character heads.
3: Yeah, oh, that's pretty much what this is. Is like, that what it is? The B movie one is Barry B. Benson and his lawyer B friend who uh, uh, they're, they're both on the cover. Um, What's
0: the deal with flying around as a bee?
3: <laughs> I remember liking that film because I was on a Seinfeld kick when it came out, and then I've watched it recently and I'm like, this is, doesn't <laughs> hold up at all. <laughs> I don't even know if it ever did to begin with. I'd probably want the Peabody and Sherman one because I do like that film. Um, And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. Nothing
0: other... Uh, Brad, you want to fill them in on the links?
3: Yeah, the
2: Disney's A Wrinkle in Time uh, is coming out. It looks
0: interesting, Mm -hmm. but...
3: It's not on Blu-ray.com. Oh, Wrinkle in Time in 4K, never mind.
0: And then Hurricane Heist. Uh, My least favorite film of the year so far. Wow. Is Uh, that in 4K? Yes. Yes. Wow. (laughs) Um, Because... There's a dude in there named Breeze. It's a stupid fucking name. In the
2: clouds form a skull.
0: That is true too. When uh, you sent me that text, or was it posted on Facebook? I was reading and said that can't be right. And then I go in the theater and go, oh, he memorized the opening and it's right. <laughs> it is
2: so, so on the nose. It is. I, I was. It was easily remembered. Um, and it's. I think it's currently. Or I think it's the next "How Did This Get Made?" episode.
0: Oh, that might be a good one to listen to. So
2: yeah, I'm excited to hear them tear that apart. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's um, it's almost like charming in, in a way that it's like so bad.
0: Uh, I I couldn't even get on board with how bad it was. It was a it was a tough watch for me.
3: Um, and there is one more actually. Uh, Thoroughbreds, the uh, A24 release or the focus feature release, uh, which is Anton Yelkin's last movie. So if you didn't see y- Anton Yelkin's last movie. Go check out Thoroughbreds. Did you see it, Henry? We'll talk about it later.
4: <laughs>
1: you sound angry.
3: No, no it's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it.
0: You know what? Not later. We're going to talk about it now and what we've been watching. Oh,
3: shit. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching.
0: Henry, what did you watch this week? Well, I watched Thoroughbreds. <laughs> um,
1: it's, uh, it's actually really good. I liked it a lot. Uh it's uh, I was actually I actually really wanted to see it when it came out, but I just never got a chance to because, you know, finals. Uh and <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I finally checked it out. And uh yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's really very well acted. The set design's great. It's written by uh like a playwright, like this is his first film. And uh it, I think he pulled off pretty well. I think it's uh Anthony Upton's really good in it. Uh both girls are really good in it, so yeah. Watch that. Uh I watched American Animals, which came out this weekend in New York, which will be expanding to Denver soon. Oh, you cut out uh, a little
3: bit there. What was that called?
1: Uh, American Animals.
3: Oh, oh yeah. Uh,
1: it's a it's a heist film. It's a I don't. It's kind of hard to describe. It's directed by the same guy who did The Imposter. Um, oh. And it's like it's weird because like the the gimmick of it is that like when you see if you watch the commercial, the trailers, or even in the film, it says this is not based on a true story. This is a true story. Uh, and the idea of it is that it's a documentary and a narrative film. Uh, hmm. Where like everyone, they interview all the real people, and they and and behind the scenes, they essentially let them write the film. uh And so like you're, they're interviewing the actual pe- people throughout the film, and then like you then have them played out like by actual actors. It's kind of like how Imposter they had kind of a back and forth of like narrative and that, but this one's more heavy in the narrative section. Hmm. Uh, but the plot of the film is that uh based on based on the true story, obviously of. Uh, these four uh, college students at University of, Kentucky, of Transylvania University in Kentucky, uh, which houses uh, the Auburn Society's... What was that Dracula? No, unfortunately, no, oh. no vampires this time. Um, Frankenstein, but uh, <laughs> Frankenstein is in this film. You called it. You called it the twist, Zach. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's about uh, at this university in Kentucky they house uh, Darwin's Origin of Species and the uh, Auburn Society's book of paintings of birds. And so it's about these four college students who are like, well, we can just steal that and sell it for $12 million. And so it's the true story of how they essentially planned the heist and then pulled off the heist and uh, how that
3: happened. I heard, I heard... I heard a lot of good buzz of it coming out of like Sun. Did it play Sundance or one of the festivals? Yeah,
1: or it premiered at Sundance this year. It might have done South by Southwest as well. Yeah, uh, a lot of people said they've had fun with it. It's very, very good. the uh, the it, The tension in the film is really good, uh, especially when they get down to the heist. Uh, Evan Peters, uh, if anyone watches American Horror Story, uh, mm-hmm. he's in the film. He plays he plays kind of like the main guy, and oh, he also plays uh, Quicksilver. Yeah. Hmm. Um uh, he's the plays like the main character. And he's probably my favorite performance of the year so far in this film. But uh, yeah, American Annals. I would definitely check it out once it expands to Denver. Um, I watched all of the prequels for the Star Wars franchise. Uh, Alright. Because uh, I'm on Natalie Portman Kick and I've not seen those before, so I was like, sure. Um, actually, not bad. Uh, no, I, I uh, thought, like, these aren't nearly as bad as people say they are. Sure, the CGI is not great. Uh, General Grievous looks like a cartoon character um but uh yeah they're, in general they're pretty okay i don't think they're like the worst thing to no ever
0: happen. you know i always said that about phantom menace if you take away the hype it's not that bad yeah uh, oh yeah but, but it's still not a great movie i think they get progressively better
1: no i would say so too i mean in general i mean really the biggest downside of those films are is the i don't want to say bad writing but kind of like the okay writing uh and then uh, the the effects are very dated, and so yeah.
3: Did you watch uh, them in uh, like uh, Blu-ray HD, or did you just watch them on?
1: Uh... I watched them on Putlocker, so I got the best quality possible.
3: <laughs> so, <laughs> never mind.
1: Um, <laughs> well, right on, Zach. I'm in college. I can't afford to buy the prequels. Okay, it's okay. On Blu-ray. It's okay um, I did the same thing. <laughs> um, and then the only other thing I think I'll mention is uh I watched uh uh Love Simon, mm. uh which is uh that kind of high school romantic comedy that came out a couple months ago. Uh about the uh, the boy who doesn't know if he should come out as gay and that kind of thing. It's very good. Uh if you're gay, it's amazing. If you're not gay, I think it'd also be cool. Um <laughs> but yeah it's uh
3: I want that on the poster. It's <laughs> uh, yeah, one of those movies that
0: they were uh, <laughs> some people were renting out so they could experience uh, Neil Patrick Harris and uh, celebrities like that, mm-hmm. where they give them to kids to say, "Hey, it's okay to be gay."
1: I mean, the film's very well done. It does give a really good message of that whole idea because it deals with a lot of like the pressure of coming out and what that how that can affect someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very well done. Uh, it's for a high school like romance film. It's actually really good, uh, but yeah, everyone in it's really good. It's uh, I, around the s- hour mark, I would say, is when I started crying, and I didn't stop crying until the theater asked me to leave. So, yeah, <laughs> which was seven hours later. Out. <laughs> it was like, sir, it is one a.m. You you really need to leave the theater. So,
3: but I uh, feel so connected. <laughs>
1: Uh, so yeah, love Simon. Everything else I watched, none of you care about. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe we do. You don't know that. Oh, wait,
1: no, wait, one more, one more, I forgot. Uh, I w- originally was not going to do a White Coats or a Our House Asshole, because I did see a really bad Spanish comedy that I'm not going to mention. But, uh, so I was going to do one. And then I listened to the episode last week when you guys were talking about, uh, uh her name was Lisa.
0: Mm. Nice.
1: And, uh... James was like Henry should review this, so I did. <laughs> uh, currently, I posted this at like noon today, but basically, her, uh, her name was Lisa. I walked into it thinking it was going to be like a standard sex exploitation film. It's not. It's just a straight up porno. Um, All so, right, <laughs> I am, I am now reviewing porn for the website. <laughs> uh, for the- <laughs>
0: You could just call it the donut hole, not the white coats.
1: Oh, that's, that'll be the next series I do. <laughs> <laughs> deep throat's but, uh, gonna be your
3: best best read article ever.
1: But I mean basically, the plot <laughs> of her name was Lisa is basically uh Zach, you might have seen this film, uh the Barefoot Contessa. hmm Uh it's basically that but a porn version. <laughs> so it's uh, it starts at it starts at the funeral for Lisa and everyone's really uh-huh. sad.
0: I'm sad. Uh,
1: yeah, and so it starts at her funeral, and basically the entire film is told in flashbacks of everyone's favorite memory of her, which is typically people having sex with her, um, and like it's what I really loved is that the first memory is from a photographer because Lisa I guess wanted to be a model. They never really established. They never established, <laughs> who Lisa is or, the established like, what she wanted she to do. They only established that she liked to fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's really her, that's her entire personality. Um, but basically, she shows up one day. She's like, "I want to be a model," and the photographer's like, "Okay," and so then they like the session starts and she's modeling. But he is not taking photos. He does not even have a camera. He's just kind of sitting there hanging out and watching her, like, strike poses. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then they have sex. Mm. Uh, And then, uh, hard cut back to the funeral and everyone's sad again. Uh, And then... Then basically goes back to them. He's like, "I don't want you to meet the producer who's coming because the producer's a bad guy." She's like, "Well, I don't want to meet the producer. Why would I want to meet the producer?" And then like a Scooby Doo villain, he just shows up behind them. Um, and the pro- and the producer's like, "I'm here now, photographer. You should go get me food." And he's like, "All right." And so he leaves. And then like he's like, like really like like flirting with Lisa and like, "I'm the producer. I'm a big shot." <laughs> Uh, and she's like, "I don't want this. Isn't good. I don't like you. You're a dir- you're a jerk. I don't like this at all." Was this? And then the har- was sex this Harvey- music playing, and then she's really into it. Don't. And
4: so <laughs> and you knew so where I was hard, going.
1: And, but so like they, they start having sex, like hardcore sex, like in the studio while he while the photographer is just getting food. And then the photographer shows back up. He's like, "What's going on here?" And <laughs> the only response is the producer goes, well, you should have knocked. And then it's a hard <laughs> cut back to the funeral. Um, and, and, and everyone's crying. Right. So is
3: everyone at the funeral someone she fucked? Apparently. <laughs>
0: um, and, and so her eulogy, I just want to say her name was Lisa. Oh, it's in the title. <laughs> and she gives <laughs> the best blowjobs ever. She was a I good
3: mean, lay.
1: Basically. The best lay. Uh, but what's hilarious also is that, like... Th- like And I looked it up, all of the actors in this are just 70s porn stars. And so, like, at the funeral, the only time they actually have to act, uh, and they are not good at it, uh, (laughs) like, their idea of looking sad is just looking at Lisa. And uh, so, yeah, I see see a lot of that. And then later on, they run into Carmen, who's uh, played by this one woman who, uh, fun fact, at the time, was researching to be uh, an AIDS researcher to kind of cure the AIDS virus, just kidding. She was another porn star. Um, and uh, so she shows up and she's Carmen. And she's this she's this sassy other porn star who's also looking to have sex with photographers and producers. And if you look up the plot of this film, like in IMDb and other websites, it says, like, it makes out to be that like Carmen is the bad person. She's not. She's in two scenes. Um, and so then Carmen leaves. And then... Uh, uh, Lisa then goes to her husband, who's the producer now, uh, they apparently got married at some point, point. Um, and then they have sex four more times, and uh, then she goes back to the sauna, she meets up with Carmen, and Carmen's like, I'm gonna steal your entire life, and Lisa's like, I don't like that at all, and then they have sex. Um,
0: <laughs> That's a natural progression, right?
1: <laughs> it really is. Um, I will Ryan, the, I'm going to take your identity. <laughs> the director has a really good sense of suspense, because every time I was like, man, how are they going to get out of this one? So,
0: how are they going to have sex in this one? Man, how are they going to fuck their so, way out of this one?
1: And so the lesbian scene ends, and then Lisa dies. Oh. Wait. And, uh, and it cuts back to... Uh, Did you die of a broken back... heart? No. They don't even <laughs> explain it. Like... <laughs> That scene ends, and then you cut back to the funeral, and everyone's like, "Well, oh well," and then they leave, and that's the end of the film. Oh, and right. uh, but yeah, I don't. On really all t- on all fronts, the film is a failure. On <laughs> like on being a film, it's not very good. On being a sex position film, it's not one, so it's not very good. And then on a, as a, just a pornographic film. It doesn't work because you're it's a hard cut back and forth between like sex and people crying, And <laughs> if you're into
3: that, sure, but so it, Zach's it's, bedroom was, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, God. But yeah, so you basically Turn, watched all the cuts or the uh inner cut scenes from boogie nights when they're making the porn, basically strung together, I mean.
1: I mean, the upside is that it wasn't hard to review because I could really stop paying attention during the sex scenes, so it was really only twenty minutes worth of footage that I had to review. Um, so, like, smart, but, uh, yeah. Um, you're welcome, James. Um, so yeah, white coats. Hopefully, next week I have an actual good art house asshole, and not, I'm not reviewing porn again.
0: But, uh, Fingers crossed, Henry. Fingers crossed. I hope so.
1: God, I hope my parents are proud. Um
0: <laughs> If they're not, I am, so take solace in that. Well,
1: well, thank you, Brad. Or not Brad,
3: Brian. Um All right. Well, that's what I watched this week. zach Uh not a lot, not Brad. Um I uh I rewatched The Evil Dead cuz I had picked up uh from work that uh book of the dead version, the rubber yeah. one. Um, but it's a DVD, but I was just like, fuck it. Yeah, why it's still not? T.
0: It still looks pretty good. Yeah.
3: And that's exactly what you and I were talking about during the week about this. Cause I rewatching it. Like the sound on that particular transfer is amazing. Yeah. Um, and I love that that flick. That's the that's the Sam Raimi movie I've seen the most in a theater, which is five times at the Landmark Esquires <laughs> Midnight Series. Nothing wrong with that. It was that was I remember the first time I saw it, I was just like, "This is fucking nuts." Because um, I had
0: I did you I, watch the making of it? Did show how he like would sit on top of the van to get shots and stuff?
3: No, that see the thing on this DVD is is that it doesn't have a, a ton on mm. the special features front. It has like a fan appreciation video Yeah, i
0: vaguely remember it
3: it has like another production company appreciation video it has commentaries like, yeah the which commentaries I, are great yeah which i haven't listened to but if they're the same ones i listened to like 10 years ago when i was getting Probably. this to the library it's it i'm not missing sam much. raimi does great commentaries oh yeah um but so yeah evil dead the, the evil dead still great um uh <laughs> uh I picked up the golden girls seasons one and two from work. Um, Thank cause you for being a friend. friend. Um, and so I decided to rewatch the first season and, um, about halfway through and it's still fun. Betty, Betty White and, uh, Rue McClanahan and, uh, B. Arthur. They're all great. Estelle Getty's the standout for me as Sophia. Cause she's just says what she says. says yeah. what's on her
0: mind. I you used know? to watch it all the time when I was homesick. Yeah. It's,
3: <laughs> it's funny. Like, and it's, the one thing that's like hard for me, my eyes to adjust to, is how brightly lit it is, and how like there's a lot of it's called Golden Girls. There's a lot of shiny like because <laughs> oh, yeah. Rue McClanahan's character oh, yeah. uh, is a is a floozy. Yeah, it's Floozy, but she's also rich. She had a rich husband, rich life, and whatnot. So she has her own nice Miami house. So, uh, uh, but yeah, the the Golden Girls, like it's the. It's 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 the way we all remember B. Arthur these days. Although she was Maude on uh, yeah. All in the Family and uh, Maude and uh, Betty White, uh, funny funny lady. I like her on this show more than I do like Hot in Cleveland and whatnot. Yeah, I she's like
0: the, I like the uh, Airhead one. Yeah, you know? she's
3: just like she's like like the sweetness. innocent. Like one of the best episodes is in the first season is she's hasn't had sex since her husband died. Um, and there's like this it, there's this man she meets and the man invites her on a cruise uh, vacation for a weekend and she's worried about having sex with him. And then she reveals the reason why is because her husband died while they were making love and it's a big and emotional thing for her. And it was, it's treated so well for a sitcom. Mm. Like I just, I'm amazed that like among like the sitcoms of that era, like a lot of them were like extremely mature and very like careful about how they spoke, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the golden girls, it's, it's it, it I thank it for being my friend um and then um, the last thing I watched this week was um actually uh um we got asked to review a movie called Dark forest um which is a uh, uh production out of Canada uh so I watched it today, um so it's pretty fresh in my head um i'm gonna say i I admire it a lot more than I thought I was going to, knowing that it was like just. Like a film I hadn't heard of that's now available on Prime. Um, The story is about a uh, young woman who uh, is in an abusive relationship who sneaks away from her abusive boyfriend to go camping with her three friends that she hasn't really uh, kept up with over the years. Um, At the same time, there's two guys and two girls, two horny guys and two whatever girls going out camping in the same woods um, and they all intersect when the boyfriend goes nuts and decides to go on a killing spree because he's got abandonment issues and his daddy beat him when he was a kid. Um, the story is interesting in, in the sense that they're tackling the villain is not like a hockey mask killer or a, uh, a Michael Myers of any kind. It's boring. Just in, it's just here. The, here's the thing. It's a straight up like serial abuser, but he's treated as if he's as strong and as powerful as a Jason or a Freddy um is in the Does he sense wear a cool mask? No, his friend does though. Yeah, who he I'm bullies done. it who he bullies into following him around to kill people. Um it's just I, I found it more interesting than anything else. That being said, I think that this this film's only seventy-five minutes long. Ten minutes of it are credits, so it's really an hour and five minutes. It's very shoppily edited i don't think that um we get a lot of sense of what's really going on in the story because i think that either stuff's not there or stuff was cut um i i and and i'd like to know what what was missing if there is stuff that's missing um I will say though this film looks and feels a lot like a Corman film out of the '80s, uh, so like a slumber party massacre, which is a, about the same length, um, and it has interesting uh, kills and special effects. Like actually, there's one scene in particular where I'll swear like it's probably the best shot thing in the film out of all of it, um, uh, and that's not to disrespect the rest of the, the film per se, but there's a great mo- there's a great moment where. Um, uh, a guy and a girl are arguing and then they're uh look and then the killers looking at it from his point of view and it has the feel and the look of an older Jason movie um stalking through the camps and whatnot so like in that sense like they have the game down they know how to do it but the rest of the film seems too ambitious a little bit for its own good um i'd probably watch it again under different auspices like if i had a group of people together and could like kind of enjoy in the cheesiness of it together. Um, I, I admired its efforts in addressing the whole abusive relationship issue, but I think it's kind of like, it gets undermined by the whole fact that every, every guy in the film and sometimes even girls in the film just refer to other females as bitches, which I'm just like, well, that doesn't like Rob zombie kind of. Yeah. So like, I'm not like All right,
0: Zach. So now you have a uh, press kit, um, Write an article and review of it. Yep, I'm going to. So <laughs> So you leave me alone.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh so but anyway, yeah. Dark Forest is available on Amazon Prime. Um
0: like I said, like admire the effort, but I couldn't really Wow. You're you know, you're being critical of films. You need to step it up. I admire the effort. That's the pussy way out. To just say it sucked. <laughs> Do it. Do it. That's
3: not the reviewer I am, Ryan. Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> At least he reviewed it. Yeah, <laughs> you that blew is it true. Off. I did blow it off. Um, so, yeah, The Dark Force. And that's all I watched this week.
0: Cool. Brad?
2: I guess the, the main thing I watched this week is I saw Action Point, uh, mm. the new Johnny Knoxville.
0: Uh, I'm Johnny Knoxville. And this is Action Point.
2: <laughs> uh, I was surprised. <laughs> Yeah, initially like it, it looked terrible, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then uh, our friend Jason he posted like a review, a, a quick like, "Hey, I was surprised that this had a heart in it." So I was like, "Okay, I'm a little on, bo- on board for this." Um, and it was late, so I had had to pick between that and upgrade, and this was the late one. So, um, and he was right. Uh, it, surprisingly, the movie is better at dramatics than it is stunts. Really? Yeah. Um, uh, it revolves around. <coughs> giant oxville it's a, it starts out in the present and it's giant oxville in old man makeup again he must love doing the old man gag <laughs> um and his granddaughter is stuck at home she's got a broken leg um and so she's not allowed to leave the house so he tries to entertain her by telling the story of like hey your mom never told you that i had this amazing theme park um that i ran for years um and you know uh it goes into like a you know flashback, and then isn't uh, it
0: somewhat of a so- true story too? Uh,
2: I haven't re- researched like what the actual thing is, but yeah, it, it claims it's based on an actual thing that happened. There's um, a,
1: a short film that tells the true story. I think you can see it for free on YouTube. It's only like twenty minutes long, mm. called uh, Defunct Land, and it's uh it's apparently very accurate to the true story. So. Is the thing
2: actually called Action Point? Uh,
1: no, it's like called Action Park. Action Park. Action is Park is what
2: it's called. Uh, so the plot's pretty standard. Uh, the action point in the movie is has been you know running on fumes for years um everyone's pretty complacent you know much uh, as kids just work summer jobs there um there's some funny things like there's this alcoholic bear like an actual bear <laughs> not a cgi bear a bear that just you know, strolls around the park once in a while trying to take beers from people and chugging beers That's that's, that's pretty funny um but, you know, sales are down, so the local land developer wants to come in demolish the park. He'll give Johnny Knoxville millions of dollars for the land. Um he's got some like uh penis related name that they all make fun of. I forget what it is. McDick. It's like Thrust Heart or something. <laughs> um they, they won't sell, and then uh this this other like Eliches style park opened up nearby, and so everyone's going there. And then uh <laughs> Knoxville's those down his luck, so he's like, "You know what, fuck it? let's just you know let's make it what they're not. We're not the safe park. <laughs> so they deconstruct all the rides, make them totally unsafe, and then all the you know townspeople flock back to Action Point. Um, and over the sum every summer uh he's divorced, his daughter gets to spend the summer with him, um, so while she's at the park, um, you know she she's uh, th- at this point, she's uh, become a teenager. So she's into new stuff, and he's, like, still treating her like his young, young daughter. She wants to go see The Clash because they happen to be in the same town at the same time. And in the process of, like, trying to save the park, you know, he gets obsessed with trying to, you know, make better rides. And there's actually this fun little thing where she's trying to sleep, and he's up late at night with just, like, bouncing a tennis ball on a table. And he's just, like, trying to make up a ride with this tennis ball. (laughs) It just doesn't... It, it looks like he's trying really hard like albert einstein but it, it does like there's no it makes no sense like what this would be um so it's like he's just making stuff up, improvising on the spot for the movie um and so yeah he basically like fails with his daughter and then has to make it up to her and then discovers that like him holding on to the park was like that he felt like that was his family and he didn't want to lose it when he really should have been trying to hold on to her and everything and uh chris pontius is the only other jackass person in it and uh He's, uh, like, the idiot, like, co-owner, Benny. And he's always running around with a tomahawk. And probably the only... When I went in, I didn't I thought it was, like, a PG-13 movie. And then, like, some language came out. I was like, oh, this is rated R. And then there's a scene where Chris Pontius, they make a commercial for the park. And they try to, like, slight... Like, go they go to the news station and try to switch out one of their ad videos so they'll just accidentally play it. And uh, in the process of Pontius, like, getting distracted and, like, reading a magazine and, like, wasting a whole bunch of time... Like the 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 news manager shows up with some floozy he's having an affair with, and they start having sex on like the table near him. And he's trying to escape, so he's like army crawling around the room. And they keep changing positions on him, so he can't get out. <laughs> and then finally, when he's like just about to escape, um, the guy pulls out and comes on her <laughs> on his hand, and he freaks out and ruins the whole thing. Um, I was like, oh my god, it's like a oh, shot in this movie. You
0: know, I always laugh in Jackass where he's like. Hi, I'm Party Man. Let's party! He yeah. walks up to people in strips. I don't know. I always thought it was funny and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: yeah, he's like his party boy, wild boys persona. So, uh, like at one point, they're trapping an alligator to like for the petting zoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they get shut down a couple times because code things of like, you know, you got like raccoons in here. <laughs> uh, like yeah, they use uh they put some uh, nuts on uh, Pontius's nuts, and they like lure a squirrel into his <laughs> pants <laughs> and capture it that way. Yeah. But it's it's like a weird balance of like not edgy enough as jackass gags. Mm-hmm. but also like uh, at one point I thought it was a PG-13 movie. Huh. So
1: well, yeah, I think that, like one of the issues of the Jackass franchise. I mean I and I'm saying this cuz like a big Jackass like super fan. I've seen all those films many many times. Um the problem is that like they're also not only are they older now, they're also sober now. Like, you, like the mm-hmm. second one is when they got really crazy with all their stuff, where they've had stunts where they've now said they shouldn't have done that. And the reason why that is because they were all, like, super alcoholics. They were all, like, addicted to heroin and doing all those kinds of things. Mm. Whereas if you don't have, like, that stimulation anymore and you're older, you can't really do, like, the really intense stunts anymore. Yeah, I think it's kind of like the biggest bummer of it. So
3: yeah, even the third one had like I mean there were fun stunts, but they were nowhere near I thought as extreme as the second one was.
1: The third one they uh, did not allow any alcohol on set. Yeah, so.
3: good good call probably <laughs> to keep them alive. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, one I think it's Ryan Dunn's dead right. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. drove
0: too fast. Yep.
2: Uh, then I watched uh, there's another four episodes of the toys that made us. So they tackle Star Trek Lego. Hello Kitty and Star Trek Lego Hello Kitty Transformers did I say that yeah. Lego It's
0: Transformer I said Lego yeah Transformer Hello Kitty Lego and Star Trek I said that yeah. off, I
3: said a four now yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Did, were you not listening or just being funny <laughs> no I was just trying to make sure he heard himself oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
2: which I watched them too so nice. and those are pretty fascinating but unlike the, uh, the other four that they had for a while um, they seem more um, not as in depth even though they're like 44 minutes they uh it is fascinating like the whole thing of the star trek uh one is that you know so many brands tried to like at first with star trek toys they would just find existing things and put star trek on it and call it a star trek toy mm-hmm. and then finally when they did find people to make toys um they they bounced around between like mego and playmates and uh there's still like no one no one can line up uh, capitalizing on the movie at the same time as the toys mm-hmm. um, so it, it and it's obviously dwarfed by the Star Wars uh, merchandising um, Transformers um, wasn't like there wasn't any like dramatic thing to it it's like a guy made it and it sold really well and um, they had fights with Japan about it
3: no they did well they didn't have fights with them the thing was is that disagreements they they, they they took like it, the whole like story of transformers apparently is about how one country inspires another country oh, that inspires another country. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that <laughs> <laughs> does the tagline. Um, but, uh, no, it's like, cause like basically a lot of these toys that they made that eventually became transformers were inspired out of the post-war, um, like kind of like renaissance of getting the factories working again in Japan with the help of us assistance. Um, in exchange as as part of the uh, the peace agreement or the 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 surrender so it kind of moves in a weird direction of like one one country inspires another country that inspires another country to do it again um and they like it has a lot to do with marvel like marvel's the reason transformers have a backstory and stuff and um actually peter cullen talking about how he does the voice for optimus prime oh yeah is surprisingly heartfelt like it's Um, like it, it makes you, it kind of makes you close to shed a tear for a second. Um, and then, yeah, just the person who is in Japan who designed the original toys that were then reconfigured to become the transformers has a pretty interesting story in and of itself. But, um,
2: then Lego, uh, they go, uh, like that's pretty fascinating. Like uh, what the actual patent for Lego is, is the way that it attaches to other blocks. Um, that's what makes it Lego and then uh a couple I guess it is
0: a unique how it cause yeah because they let their
2: patent expire so now any everyone can like copy it um but they have to do it in different ways i guess mm. um so but yeah like the, you, any block made in the 50s can still attach to a block made today mm. mm-hmm. and uh you know they have they've had a lot of ups and downs um and the, there's like infighting within the company about what like what is lego like what uh, matches the brand because there's the system, and then they made stuff like Bionicle and, uh, you know, licensing Star Wars and Harry Potter. Like, how, like, yeah, they're Lego products, but like, do they fit the system? Uh, because it was a family owned company, mm. you know, built off of like wooden duck toys and stuff, and kind of like Nintendo where they started with playing cards. Oh, and, interesting. Um, and then, yeah, Hello Kitty was pretty fascinating because I didn't know a lot about Hello Kitty, but, uh, um, that was the one where it doesn't seem like it's a it's a toy, as more as like it's a profile on a brand, you know, because mm-hmm. um, the Hello Kitty is like just stamped on anything, whereas like I th- the toys that made it, I figure was like actual toys that people play with. So, right um, as someone who wants to see like a Ninja Turtles episode, you know, it's mm-hmm. like ah, oh, I guess that one
3: could have waited. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Um, and then uh, I also watched uh, right after that. There's a uh, Funko Pop documentary um all dedicated to funko and i've always wondered like every con we go to every toy store we see like there's just like this immense fandom for those funko pops uh, uh and they don't do anything they just stand there they don't have like crazy articulation or anything but people yeah, buy them it's really they're crazy about them um and it was just some guy um like in 1998 found some designer buddy um and they started out making like bobbleheads um, cuz he
0: wanted like the big boy or something right
2: yeah they started with the uh they started with the uh, the big boy they they went to the they made this thing the bobblehead and they were like hey big boy here's a thing we made would you like to sell them and they're like uh call the corporate office see if they want to sell and we'll, we'll do it and then they turned in a crate sold all of them and they're like give us more and then they went to universal studios there's some uh shop there that sold like pez dispensers and things like that And they made something else, and those did really well. And you know, they just grew and grew and grew, and they just uh, acquired more licenses. And uh, everything's
0: licensed. I have a Chandler with a duck, (laughs) like Funko Pop.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and that's really all they did is they just they took stuff from pop culture that people like, like mascots for commercials, and like not even stuff that have shows and movies that are like Star Wars and everything, but just. Uh, and a lot of nostalgia like that's what the the first two guys their their f- how they got together was their love for things from the fifties, and so yeah, like the big boy guy, like their f- mascot was uh Freddie Funko, so he's got the little crown, and mm-hmm. um he looks like a big boy uh character um and so and then like two thousand four, the main guy got so overwhelmed he sold the company to this other guy, Brian. Um, and that's where it really took off, and that's where the Funko pops came from. And he just like found all these different avenues, and they just opened a new <laughs> superstore in Everett, Washington. That's like a Disneyland for Funko. and am just like has some mad money for like those little yeah. Um, Side all note. based around like the same design, basically. Yeah.
3: Side note: We've just become Funko pop figures. Yeah, like I've, that's how vast. it really is.
2: Really, if at the, like based on the documentary, if if a Funko pop is is made of you, you've done something like Chris Hardwick is in the documentary hmm. showing off. Like, you know, I'm just comedian and I just like show people pop culture. And apparently that's enough to get you one of these. <laughs> um, I know Kevin's got a couple. Yeah. Kevin Smith and the doc, the comic book men, they did just show there. So that's in the documentary too. Um, and how, uh, like the guy Brian is talking about, like, it's not about the bottom line here. Like we'll make stuff if it, sells great if it makes a little more even better but whatever but we're never not going to make something because it won't make money so um yeah let's do whatever and they've branched out into apparel and um yeah all different kinds of things so um so now i know like what the appeal is and Mm. i I get it i I haven't bought any because i'm like i gotta not buy some stuff but
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i only have a few like i have the chandler uh my in-laws got me peyton manning and I have Tony Stark. <laughs> there's only ones
2: I have. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Kirk Hammett from Metallica is in there. He has one and they show like his comic book store and stuff. And, uh, there's some wrestlers in there that he has like an amazing Ninja Turtles collection. Um, and so also part of the documentary is they kind of pick people who are big fans of it. And so they kind of do profiles on them. So like the wrestler and Metallica and stuff, uh, there's someone else. This big name. I forget. Yeah. Ken Smith is in there. um, so yeah, it's was, it was fascinating to to see, and they it, like the owners just talk about it, like yeah we failed upward like we didn't know what we were doing at all we just like <laughs> made stuff put it out there and people bought it and we're so lucky sometimes it happens yeah um, and then it looks I also like watched they,
1: uh, uh, it looks like I mean Funko's, like our generation's like Beanie Baby scandal now yeah um, yeah I mean I just looked up like how much like what I just looked up like Funko like on like my computer and I found a list of like the 10 rarest, most expensive Funko Pops. And, like, the yep. number one r- rare one is a Loki, and it's worth $1,000.
0: What's special yeah. about the Loki?
1: I don't... It's the it's the Loki one from the first Avengers film, and apparently it's the rare... Apparently it's one that they... it's It was, like, I guess it was an exclusive to San Diego Comic-Con in 2012. Uh, and so, yeah, that's a rare one. It's for, a me- <laughs> which it's worth, a- someone's willing to pay over $1,000 for it, so... It's the Mewtwo of, <laughs> <fucking>
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> that's why. Oh, that's the thing pops. I thought of while I was watching. I was like, ugh, like, it's great that they're celebrating these, but it feels like Beanie Babies, and at some point, like that superstore is going to be in yeah. trouble because, yeah. you know. But I don't know. It seems like they've been up going upwards since nineteen ninety eight. So, we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yeah Kevin Eastman was in it. Yeah. He, yeah. Like he loves his Ninja Real Funko Pops. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then the last thing, I rewatched the Back to the Future trilogy and then, nice. like, all the bonus features and all the commentaries over and over again. And uh, uh, one thing I, did, I didn't catch, like, I, I've done this whole thing before, but uh, in one of the commentaries, they say, like, you know, uh, Elizabeth Shue became the new Jennifer after uh, Claudia Wells. But uh, even before Claudia Wells, Malora Hardin, Jan from The Office, really? was supposed to play uh, Jennifer. Wow. Yeah. She's pretty. So, I I was trying to imagine that. Um, But, yeah, um, um, they also uh, show, like, the restoration of the DeLorean. Um, It had been sitting on the Universal lot as, like, a thing you could just – any tourist could go in, sit in. It's not protected. People have stolen parts of the DeLorean over time. And so, uh, Bob Gale, you know, saw it. You know, they're trying to do uh, the the 25th anniversary, I think it was, and they're like, hey, where's where's that original hero DeLorean – Universal's like, yeah, it's just sitting over here. It's like got leaves in it and shit. Oh, and shit. Like, uh, we need to do something about this. Wow. So they took it to this company. They did a full restoration of it, like uh, very detailed, very accurate. Um, and now and then it went to a glass case inside Universal's tour. And then I was like, oh, my God, I've been to Los Angeles. How many times recently? I've never bothered to go look at it. <laughs> uh, so now it's actually in the Peterson Auto Museum. So for some reason it got moved out of Universal, but yeah, it's, it's not in a case, but it's in this really, uh, protected auto museum with Mm, like the Batmobile and stuff. And, um, so I'm like, Ooh, I gotta check that out. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's amazing to hear him and, um, Robert Zemeckis talk about making that movie and, um, they acknowledge it's like the, probably the only good thing they'll ever write. (laughs) Um, and just like all the pay, like the things they set up and pay off across all three movies. is just astounding. And, the, yeah, the, and they they invented the Vista Glide camera system for that. Um, and it worked on the first try. It's pretty pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. So just an amazing trilogy of films.
0: Yep. Quality filmmakers there. Yep. Uh, I didn't watch too much this week. I watched a documentary that Zach recommended to me. It's called uh, Becoming Cary Grant. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't like it. Like, oh, really? Like, I thought it was really pretentious. So uh, it's a story about um, it's Cary Grant and... It touches a little bit on his life, but it's more of his, um, like his home shot movies, mm-hmm. and then his trips to uh, therapy. Mm-hmm. Then he also uh, Jonathan Price is reading an unpublished, un- unpublished memoir from Cary Grant, mm-hmm. and I mean it's cool. I just love seeing it. I don't know. I just it couldn't get. It, it felt like it was really padded, where it kept on showing shots of the ocean, mm-hmm. like
3: that's the, waves coming the, in. That's the only part of like docs like that that I don't like when they yeah. when they use the filler. Like, um, uh, they've done it on a couple of other ones. But, yeah, I just – the reason why I thought you'd like it is just, like, because you admire the way he exudes that confidence so much. Oh, yeah. And that whole film is dedicated to kind of breaking down that mythos without destroying
0: it. Yeah, and it's – I mean, it's interesting, and I always thought he was a really interesting guy when I read interviews mm-hmm. with him because he really wasn't a big media guy.
3: Yeah, no, he kept to himself. I've actually yeah. tried to find, like like, not to mention my obvious – Radio fandom, but like I've tried finding stuff where he's yeah,
0: appeared. Really doesn't few it and far yeah. between.
3: Um, he was one of those guys like James Cagney who didn't do a lot of press yeah. for the studio. And I
0: think they haven't touched on that in that documentary. Why he didn't do? It. I forget why they said. I, he I, I'm drawing a blank on it. But uh, yeah, no. But yeah, yeah I, I guess I, the stuff. It was interesting. I think his home movies were kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, when he speaks, he had this really great moment where he's talking about not wanting to be Cary Grant. Mm-hmm. It was really fascinating, and you know talking about his mom, like I know his mom left him mm-hmm. um, so it's 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 interesting, but like I said, I just couldn 't get over the pretentiousness of the like waves crashing constantly, it really just stopped the momentum of everything because it'd have yeah you know Jonathan Price reading um like an excerpt from this memoir, and you're just like, oh, this is interesting <whistles> <whistles> oh, let's go back to his doctor where he took l s d because it helped him think.
3: There's like, and, and there's a part of me that wishes that like when you're reading those memoirs excerpts, try to like, you incorporate footage,
0: maybe do a photo montage. I, yeah, yeah. You know, I guess because I, I, was, like I, I always say, oh, they tried something new, so it's cool. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather have the straight up A and E biography of him. Right. Um. But I mean, it's not like it's it's well made. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's I I won't. I just it was too boring.
3: It would have been cool if they did what uh, the Psycho shower scene documentary did, where they yeah. kind of do a recreation of maybe him on the lot or something like that, or
0: something, you know. And I guess it's hard because the subject matter, because like I said, he I, I know because he doesn't do very much. Like, yeah. publicity. He doesn't write very much. He kind of was a private dude. Yeah. Um. And but, it's
3: and it's. I mean, still like, and I think like the fact that you still saw that merit in it, like that's good, because like it's. It's one of those films, like a, like a, like a lot of people, like the, the the Orson Welles documentary, like, unfortunately, there's a lot about Orson, and then there's also a lot we didn't know. Mm-hmm. And, like, so to know these things is interesting, and then you go watch their films in yeah. retrospect. Yeah, I Like, that's it, why I watch Citizen Kane different each time yeah. I see it, is because like, sometimes there's, like, five things coming out about Orson Welles.
0: <laughs> I, I almost think you could probably cut 40 minutes out <laughs> of that documentary, because mm-hmm. I'd rather him just focus on him. Yeah, you could have kept it in an hour. Yeah. But,
3: like, you know, it's whatever <laughs> yeah i do like it though i like
0: yeah. that it was free yeah thanks yeah. for showing it yeah, exactly. me showtime. Yeah. i appreciate that yeah, i was just like here uh, i got the hookup for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, first time uh, i think Ryan, i've ever watched the, it what was the word
1: you used to describe the film
0: pretentious pretentious
1: okay i'll review it next week for our house asshole if i can't find anything so
0: all right uh yeah i mean if you want to watch it i mean it's it's not quite as pretentious as your art house asshole stuff but close
3: all right well we'll find out soon enough we will well it's interesting yeah yeah you, you, you took a suggestion of mine yeah hey it kind of paid off <laughs> everyone's
0: wild i like Cary grant i mean I yeah he's handsome and
3: god i hate zach for
0: Cary. Cary. Grant. <laughs> archibald i really love that guy yeah. um and the only other thing i watch is i i got observe and report i don't remember when i got it this happened to own it and i don't remember buying it so i wonder if i borrowed it from somebody and just never gave it back um and I haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters and it was way better than I remember mm-hmm. it being and I think it's because I got used to the writer director of it Jody so, Hill yeah yeah Jody Hill a little more um and it, it and maybe too cuz I'm a cop now I don't know cuz <laughs> it's it's kind of funny mm-hmm. um, cuz he, he <laughs> I could not stop laughing when he goes to um he goes to see this so a certain report Seth Rogen is the hell, uh, the head of mall security at this mall and there's a flasher going around and they're trying to solve the case and in the meantime he wants to be a cop because he realizes that maybe he should do more in his life so he goes to a psychological evaluation he says <laughs> he does this like long monologue he says every morning I have the same dream and it's about him loading a shotgun and just like shooting people <laughs> and then at the end uh, she said okay well I think that's all Mr. Bernhardt he's like I think you mean Officer Bernhardt <laughs> she says okay <laughs> <laughs> he leaves and he's like <laughs> he's gonna shoot her. It's really funny. Um it's because uh, you know, I went on Letterboxd and I reviewed it and you only gave it one star. I'm talking to Brad. Um I, don't,
2: I wasn't aware I ever reviewed it. I mean I saw it, but i um I think you should give it another chance definitely before <laughs> Letterboxed.
0: Oh, I wonder is it, is it, is it, was
1: it you, Henry? Maybe. Let me check. I,
0: I mean, don't know. One, I, of, I one, saw, of, saw one of us a long time ago. So. <laughs> I only f I only follow Zach Brad. Henry and James. Um, it's
1: very I, possible I, that it's mine.
3: <laughs> I haven't done it on Letterboxd, but I saw this in opening weekend in the theater. And I, it took me halfway through to get into the mode of what it was. Yeah. Because I had forgotten what Foot Fist Way was, which is the debut of Jodie Hill and Danny McBride, yeah, too. Yeah. And that that's
0: why I said, so I watched uh, Fist Foot Way, and I'm like, oh, okay, this makes a little more sense.
3: Yeah. It's it's extremely dark. My favorite moment is when he, he still thinks Anna Faris is into him and whatnot and he's, like, spying on different cars, and then one of them he pops in, and it's Anna Faris and Ray Liotta fucking, <laughs> yeah. and he just still doesn't get it. <laughs>
2: yeah. You're right. Apparently, I did give it one star at one point. Wow. <laughs> I'm guessing, it like, there was a stretch where it would send me movies, and I would just click the stars sure. and then cycle through it, and I probably just maybe glitched on this one twice. I'd probably give it two.
3: All right. <laughs> and maybe, maybe I'm weird, but is that? I think that might be the first Michael Pena movie I'm...
0: Oh, yeah, he's really funny, yeah. too. Um, in, but there are some weird parts, like, all of a sudden he's in the mall and he won't go away and all the cops beat him up for some reason. And that part seems really weird. So I don't know if it's really happening. I mean, obviously it is, but it seems there's some parts That were edited out of the movie because it's only 85 minutes long. Yeah. yeah
2: it's got a weird tone. Yeah. It's like,
3: weird I, t- I don't remember it, much, it, but. Hill's films tend to f- go on
0: the fringes. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Anyways, I just. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was way more funny this time. I watched yeah. before
2: I saw, like, Eastbound and Down, so I, yeah. I might see it in a so different light. Against, yeah. Because,
0: yeah, Eastbound and Down. And Pat Oswald's in it, and I totally forgot. Oh, it. yeah. He
3: plays the, like, dickish
0: yeah. uh, head of the
3: Wetzel's. Not Wetzel's, Pretzel's. It's is it?
0: uh, uh, Buns and uh, oh. Hot, hot Buns. It's whatever the coffee store is. Hot cross buns or uh, something. Yeah. Well, because it's funny because the girl there has, she hurt her leg, and he's talking about her while she's sitting right there and she can't move. And she, he's like, oh, I'm in a wheelchair. Oh, I can't do any work. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny because it's Patton Oswald doing it and you he's think, being a dick, and it's, it's, it's pretty funny. It's not Kristen Wigg who plays that employee. No, is it? it's um, I Jodie so Hill's ex wife. No, Anna Ferris is the makeup <laughs> the counter. The makeup lady. Oh, okay. The slut. <laughs>
3: Ray did that movie. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, so it was pretty fun. Like yeah. I had way more fun watching it. Lauren Miller. I, Lauren Miller, there yeah. we
3: go. Yeah, but yeah, I I kind of want to watch it again after you mentioned it
0: this week. Like, yeah. I need to pick that up. It was fun. Up. I had fun watching it. <laughs> uh. All right. This week on Real Nerds Podcast, we saw Upgrade. Henry, did you see Upgrade, and should people oh, see
1: did. it? I did see Upgrade. I'm a little conflicted on it, but I'm going to say yes. I think it's worth seeing.
3: Cool. Zach? Um, yeah, I had fun with it. Um, I only had, like, one real problem with it, and we'll talk about it in spoilers. Um, but the rest of the film, like, I didn't know who Logan Marshall Green was. He's and, a shocker. See, but I didn't know him by name. <laughs> um, but he was, he's, he's pretty, oh, I'm a shocker. I'm a shocker. he's pretty solid <laughs> in the flick. Um, I, it was fun seeing Betty grape from Get Out in another movie, so, um, hats off to that. And I think Lee Wennell did a very fun, entertaining flick. Yeah. So, yeah
0: right
2: i'm just i'm just laughing reading the credits for a observ- <laughs> observant report danny mcbride's credit is caucasian crackhead oh
0: yeah <laughs> well, he plays like so uh ray liotta takes uh uh seth rogan on a ride along and then he just drops him off on this crackhead corner and this little kid comes up like hey you want to buy some crack motherfucker and it's danny mcbride's kid and he said that's your son he's like yeah that's my motherfucking offspring he's tattooed on me why the fuck would i mean? he has this tattoo like on his chest the kid <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny
2: <laughs> uh anyways but yeah upgrade Um uh, yeah i was into it um until the end uh mm. and the more i thought of it o- over the weekend it it's rubbed me more the wrong way but everything up to that um is pretty impressive uh i don't want to say too much until spoiler so yeah
0: actually, i actually had tons of fun with this movie it's um you know i i Said it's an '80s RoboCop style because it had this like um, grittiness to it, but it was polished. Like I didn't know it took so far, so pla- far, so took place so far into the future. You know, it's self-driving cars, and it had like it, the computer screens of people talking. It reminded me of RoboCop a lot, mm-hmm. and the self-driving cars and things like that. Yeah. And then there's also uh, the underbelly. You know, it's this really fancy city, but if you go in this one area, then it's bad news. Yeah, and there's um, a crime syndicate. Exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, and try to make people better. So yeah, so yeah, I should think you see. I had lots of fun with this movie. Uh, Here's a trailer for Upgrade. As a quadriplegic,
3: must be frustrating for you, someone who likes to get things done with their hands.
1: Here's the thing: four guys murdered my wife. Don't you fucking catch us!
4: If I could find these men, I'd
0: do it. What if I told you I could offer you something that would enable
3: you to walk again? I call it STEM. A computer chip that has the potential to change everything. It's a new, better brain. I,
4: I am STEM. The system operating your
0: body for you. Can anybody else hear you?
4: No, only you. May I point something out? In the drone surveillance footage. Sir Brandner, Marine Corps. Address 414 Citrus, Newground. You'll we'll need a plan. I got this. This doesn't seem like a well-thought-out plan. Help! I need
3: your permission to operate independently. Permission granted! Thank you.
1: Stay down, man.
4: Sam, he's got a knife! I see that. We had a knife, too. Oh! You now have full control
1: again, Gray. If you are involved in this somehow, then you need to let me know.
4: Well, I was in the area, detective. There was a gun implanted inside his hand.
0: What do you think I should do? Move, Green.
3: You are persistent. I cannot allow us to be killed. We are going to finish the
0: job we started. You didn't know that I'm a fucking ninja. While I am state of the art, I am not a ninja.
3: Yeah, uh, no, I mean, to be able to do that on the Blumhouse budget that they had, um, which wasn't even like I don't, th- I think Blumhouse might have bought this for their Tilt company. Maybe or I, I think it was shown at Fright Fest. If I, I might have that wrong. I mean, unless Jason Blum produced it, I can't remember. I'll have to check the I credits. Here South by Southwest. Southwest South so was, by Southwest. Yeah. There we go. Right, but um, no, like there's a great shot at the opening, um, like it just shows the cityscape and whatnot, and that must have like been a big chunk of their I was was impressed with that one yeah because it it establishes enough of what I need to know about this world Um, and then you have that the the robot cars and whatnot and they do a good job with the cinematography of kind of like really avoiding everything else on the road that could be considered too modern or like present day Um, so they they kept the constraints really
0: well yeah you know it moved really fast I think it was an hour and Forty minutes and it moved really I, fast. Not even
3: that. I think it was like an hour and thirty, and then five minutes of credits. <laughs> I don't remember,
0: um, but it's it's cool. So in the movie, uh, Gray is the main character, and he is uh, a guy who fixes cars. Fixes cars. He doesn't want you know self driving cars at all anymore, and he tells his wife that it's you know I need to use my hands. Basically, he's, 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 he's a man an man. analog guy. Yeah. And his wife's a very digital girl, <laughs> yeah. and they go uh, and so he's dropping off his the car he's working on was bought by the Steve jobs kind of guy where he's a tech company and he's shows off his new uh, thing called STEM where he says, you know, it can basically do everything for you. And he's saying that's stupid. And, and
2: it, uh, gray's wife is in a, at a company that's working on something similar. Yeah. So he sh- totally shows her up with it.
0: Yeah. And it's, yeah. So then, uh, on the way home, they get into this car accident and his wife is killed and he's paralyzed mm-hmm. and he's trying to, you know, he doesn't want to be, well, that... she's murdered. <laughs> Yeah, She's she doesn't die in the accident. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. And uh, and then he's given a chance to use STEM. And at the time, he's skeptical because he wants to die. He gets it, then he realizes he can walk, and STEM helps him track down the killers of his wife. And it's pretty cool. Like, he, he shows him, like, did you see this? Did you miss that?
2: Yeah, I was impressed with how smart it is about, like,
0: like – probably
2: another movie like this would just have him asking like stupid questions and like the, the computer would be doing like ju- just jumping to conclusions of like very fanciful answers. But this has a good thing of like, you know, he has to be very like careful about what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the computer's correcting him and like doing real detective work, which is really cool to see. Yeah.
3: yeah, And um, it's like the only issue I had with this film is that it has three different modes and sometimes they don't always mesh. So the beginning of the film, like I really appreciated the way because I didn't expect this out of Lee all, is like after his wife dies, like and stuff like that. And even stuff before it, it moves at its own kind of its own pace. It's not like super indie slow or even Blade Runner slow. It just moves at its own pace, but it allows you to embrace the, the visual world, the visual aspects of the world and also like what the humans are dealing with on their own level. And then once STEM kicks in, it does turn into RoboCop, and it turns into fun RoboCop. Um,
0: yeah, the, the practical effects where he's sawing that dude's face with the knife oh God. through the mouth. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the head exploding.
2: Yeah, uh, where he turns that, sh- that guy's like arm shotgun against himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I squeal. He's like, ee! <laughs> You run out of room, Gray. <laughs> There's nowhere else to go. Um, and then,
3: but, then we, <laughs> but then we get to the end, which, Brad, you
0: had a problem with.
2: Yeah, uh, like, I was totally into the movie, and then, like you said, it, it's basically... Like, I didn't need the Saw twist.
0: It w- I know, it did that, remind me of the, Saw a and,
3: lot. And, I, and it made me feel bad that that's how I had to, like, describe it. Yeah, because it like
2: it doesn't feel earned, and it's, like, it's so expositional in that... of this convoluted thing of, like, this STEM thing that's so smart and so clever had to go, like, this incredibly roundabout way to get him to... Shove his consciousness away and then take over his like. Once it he gets hacked, like why does he have to go through all this other stuff if if STEM could just do that? Like,
0: it's, no, I, I mean I actually I thought it was kind of cool. I mean it's it does have the saw twist where it, all the stuff happens and then it's uh, then it goes to flashbacks in the film. Mm-hmm. And saying, Oh, did you catch this part of it? Did you catch this part? Did you catch that part? And I,
3: I think that's why I we're calling it a saw flashback, yeah. but really in rea- or a saw twist. But in reality the twist is kind of the same twist that every robot or AI film tends to have, which is like the robots take control. Um yeah. What I what I appreciate about this one though is is that it does this thing where he like basically regresses trace or trade down to the down into the recesses of his mind and he has that great line <coughs> before he kills Betty Gabriel where he's just like he's in his mind where he wants to where he wants to be the fantasy world is better than the real world and then he shoots her I'm like like it it, it felt better than I than I thought it would like well, no, be I,
2: executed I, you I was know? just fine with him shooting himself in the head to like destroy stem like
0: yeah, but I thought it the ending when he shot her was really cold mm-hmm. and I think it really fit the tone of the movie yeah exactly because uh, you know it's just boom boom and yeah it, it, no remorse and it, I mean it I I, I, hate, I hate to tell this part too but this the guy in the theater I was with told it wrong so he was sitting next to me and when they showed gray with his wife he's like virtual reality out loud and it's like no and he was wrong so I wonder if he went home and hung himself I don't know <laughs> uh, <laughs> But he, but he did that like three times in the movie. It's so obnoxious. It's like, dude, do you really can you really not control yourself? And what made it worse, so I saw it in like nine thirty in the morning at Highlands Ranch. So it was me in one row and like three other people in a like a auditorium that's at seventy people and then just before the last trailer started in comes uh VR guy and I forget what else he said in the movie, but I'm so sad. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, he shot no... him in the head. <laughs> so you thought I was a quadriplegic, but you didn't tell you I was a fucking ninja. <laughs> the guy who pla- uh, the lead character is really great. Yeah, uh, well, I thought he was great.
3: I there was an article on playlist that said like we don't like him. He's un, he's unappealing in every way. And I'm like, no, I don't see that at all. He's fine. <laughs> Leave him alone. Um, I can turn
0: off. Oh, your nerve endings, so this won't hurt.
3: And I liked how like slick the action was without oh, like yeah. it, it, it. A lot. What a, one of the things I loved about it is that it doesn't like. The cuts are fast, but they're not super, like, John Wick-esque fast. Yeah. Like, they're actually kind of... Like, some of them hold in a position really cool. One of my favorites is when he's keeps smashing stuff into the first guy that he's yeah. attacking. Well, it's...
0: Uh, he's uh, the, he's great at that part where he says, please don't get up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, what's cool is Stem... See, this is why I kind of like it, because Stem gave him enough where he thought he was still in control. Mm-hmm. Where he's saying, oh, I can just tell Stem to shut up or, right. you know... I feel like if... If I if I
3: didn't have the flashback to catch up the audience members who didn't get it, who weren't paying attention, I might not have had the quote unquote problem with it. Mm. But other than that, like I, I love it. It's it was I want to see it again. It was a fun movie really bad. So
2: Yeah, I had fun with it. I just I like I I don't think this movie needed a twist. Like
3: Yeah. Uh, probably not. Like I mean yeah. also I
1: don't know about how it if, if, if you guys saw it, but I mean I also saw like both of the twists coming like a mile away. So, like when it actually happened, it it felt also kind of like,
0: all right, (laughs) we got there. So, I I just kept on waiting for the saw theme. (laughs) Robo saw. I
2: mean. Yeah, where it leaves us, this could be like the start of a new Saw franchise set in the future, oh where God. Jigsaw is STEM.
3: That, oh, dude, <laughs> that's that's how he. That's why he meant on the tape in Saw Four when he said, "You think this is over? Just because I am dead." <laughs> Instead of a I tricycle with the
2: wheelchair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to add, Henry? Uh,
1: well, the thing I want to point out that I was really cool that I know it's kind of halfway through. Uh, what I really liked about David uh, about uh, Logan Marshall Green's performance is that. Uh, after he gets Stem in, he, all of his posture is very robotic as well. Yeah, which I really, I really like that kind of like little touch. Yeah, uh, I thought the cinematography was really good, and during all the fight scenes, I thought the fight choreography, and the cinematography was really, really good. Mm. The car um, chase was awesome too.
3: Yeah, that that whole like I need you to trust me, like just when he like makes the other car mm-hmm. ram into her, that was pretty awesome on such mm. a low budget too. Yeah.
1: Like. Um, if anyone's looking for more uh, Logan Marshall Green. Uh, he has uh, he starred as the lead in a film in twenty fifteen called The Invitation. Uh it's a horror film it's like a hor- slow burn kind of horror film, it's really well done. I think oh, it's on that, Netflix. Karen that, that.
3: Karen Yasuma's. What? Or, uh Kasumas. Uh I can't remember her name, but like they showed it at the Alamo. Steve was like promoting it like crazy.
1: Yeah. It's really well done. I think it's on Netflix now and uh, if you want to see more of him, uh He's great. He's really good in that one too. Or so. if you want to see
0: less of him, you can see him in Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah. He apparently he turns it into dust. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, was, he was a Thanos snap before Thanos snapped.
3: <laughs> Maybe that was Thanos pretending or practicing his snap, Maybe. and then somehow it just happened.
0: No, I like to think it was a vulture killing him <laughs> <laughs> on accident. Uh, next week, uh, Corinne's showing up, and we're seeing Ocean's Eight. Yes, um, I'm also gonna. My wife is begging me to take her to see Hereditary, so hmm. I'll be seeing that as well. Right on. I'll probably do both. Yep. So until next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us, Henry from New York. Yeah, of course. It's always fun. We appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast